today on The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Wisdom is key. This is the testing and approving from Romans 12, 2. This is the Colossians 1, remember, that you would, Paul prayed, that you would know his will, and how, how do you have knowledge of his will? Through spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is what we need to have in order to make the decisions that honor the Lord. As Christians, it's vital to recognize that our decisions not only shape our future in this earthly realm, but they also carry great eternal significance. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today, Pastor Steve brings us to Romans for a look into the spiritual dimensions of decision-making. We're learning how to make our choices conform to God's will and purposes in our lives. It's the second part of a message titled, A Life According to Wisdom. And you can listen online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve to get us started. The church is filled with people that, for whatever reason, have not been able to learn how to live by principle and are always depending on a direct word from heaven for everything. And I'm here to tell you that this is not the way that God wants us to live. This is not how he has designed things. It doesn't honor him at all. And what we find, therefore, in the New Testament, especially, is passage after passage, Paul talking about, well, I thought about it and I thought this would be the way to go, or this is more necessary, or the passage I want us to look at this morning, which is Ephesians 5, verse 15. Hey, church at Ephesus, be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to, to do. Wisdom, friends, is the ability to sift through the possibilities of life that come our way and to find out what is best. And the call in Scripture is for us to have the kind of insight that is able to discern between okay, pretty good, really good, and best. So I wanna tell you that God wants us to live for what is best. So my goal this morning is to impress upon you the need to live wisely and to live carefully and then to give some practical helps on how to attain wisdom. Now, I want to show you another passage. It's another prayer that Paul gives in Philippians, if you turn over to Philippians 1. And he says in verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So we need to be on our guard and carefully evaluate and think through our lives. So I'd like to give some practical suggestions on how to arrive at wisdom when making decisions. And the Bible has much to say about this, and I have eight steps to wisdom in life. Here's the first. You've gotta have the right goal. What is the goal of the Christian? The goal of the Christian is to please the Lord. All right, now with that in place, we have the right goal. Secondly, the next question we have to ask absolutely all the time is, does God's word give me any direction in this decision? 
Does God's word shed any light? Now, in moral categories, no-brainer. We know what to do. God's word says it, therefore I'm going to do it, and away we go. But most of the decisions that we struggle with are not in moral categories. They are in these wisdom issues that maybe God's word is not clearly spoken to. What do we do then? In these situations, we have to take what God has given in a general way and apply it in a specific circumstance. That's the first two. Here's the third. Third step. Have I prayed earnestly about it? You know, one of the greatest tools that we have to know God's will for us is prayer. There's no better way than prayer, which is why it is absolutely critical that we pray. And you know what I do oftentimes when I'm facing a decision? I'll like pray through the decision. Maybe say something like this, Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you right now and I'm praying about this decision, about this particular matter. And this is what I'm thinking. I see these, this reason and then I see this other reason and I think this other thing. And I see these as being real strengths for why this should be. But I also see a caution over on this side and I've also got this other consideration, and I, I pray through the prayer, I pray through whatever it is like that, and you know what I find when I get to the end of the prayer many times? That the inclination that I had for that decision by the end of my prayer has changed. And you wanna know why? Because maybe the selfish ambition that I had in my heart that was leading me to be inclined a particular way, when you take that heart, your heart before the Lord, and you really open it up to Him, it sort of shows it for what it is. And you see that, it's like, okay, that's maybe not such a good reason to do this. Or if I'm angry about something or angry at someone, and I'm, okay, how do I handle this? And I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do that. And this is why I think I'm going to do that, Lord. And I'm justified in doing that. And then in prayer, you begin thinking about the Lord and the cross and his love and all that. And you're like, that's not going to be good. I can't do that. You ever have that? Prayer changes us. It changes us. Honest prayer does. Now, you may say, I don't know about this truth. I don't know how important this third point is. Here's the clincher right here that we need to pray before decisions. Go ahead and put the next slide up if you would. Did you know that Jesus prayed before his decisions? Jesus, before he selected the 12 disciples, he already had all these people that were following him. And from this group, he was gonna select 12 individuals that not only would be his disciples, but also would be the foundation stones for the church. Is that a pretty big decision? I would say so. If you're the son of God, do you need to pray about these things? No, you're the son of God. You're infinite in your wisdom. You know everything. Why pray about it? Jesus did. All night long, he prayed about who to choose to be the disciples. And then he got up in the morning, he said, all right, you, 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 and you, Judas. You're gonna be my disciples. And in his heart he said, and I know what you're gonna be doing, Judas. He prayed. In fact, before he began his ministry, he spent 40 days fasting and no doubt praying. He prayed before his greatest trial. The Garden of Gethsemane was a prayer time for him. And he taught us to pray that God's will would be done. And I just have to say, and I think you see the logic of this, if the Son of God saw the need to pray, how much more should we, in our finite minds, and our limited perspectives, take the decisions of our lives before the Lord and to ask him for guidance and for wisdom and to search our hearts and to purify us so that 
His will has become ours. And I think if we were honest today, and I know this is true for me, maybe it's not true for you, way too often I will rush into a decision without taking it to the Lord in prayer. Now, is that just me? Or is that maybe all of us? And what does that say to God when we think that we have the capacity on our own to make that decision? Prayer honors God because it shows him that we are dependent on him for help and we want his wisdom. God is the source of all wisdom. All wisdom is his. And he says, you know what? I got all this wisdom and I want to give it to you. What do we have to do? We have to ask for it. To go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? I've got these three decisions, or three options in this decision, and I'm not exactly sure which way to go. And your word doesn't say specifically, and I can't quite get my heart around what is gonna be best here, but I pray that you would now help me. Give me wisdom in this decision. I need your help. And God says that he will give us wisdom. Now, we may say giving of wisdom is suddenly, doink, in my mind, I know what to do. No. Giving wisdom includes all the things we're talking about. God works through means to give us wisdom. He might bring a wise advisor into your life who says, oh, don't do that. I've done that before. That's a loser way to go. Go over here. And you say, well, isn't it great that Frank gave me wisdom? No, what did God do? He answered the prayer and he gave you wisdom or whatever other example you want to come up with. Ask God. So as you're making the decision, we're looking for wisdom. What do we do? I begin with the right goal. My goal is to please the Lord. Secondly, I take God's word and I say, are there any specific things that give me guidance and are there any general ones that I can apply specifically in this situation? Then I go before the Lord and I pray over these things. I talk over the decision with him. I ask him to bring wisdom into my life that I might discern what is best. What do I do next? Here's the next step, is get advice. Seek advice from wise People, You know, the Bible says that we become like the people we hang out with. Here's a small example of that. When I was in Indianapolis, I lived there for five years, and I hung out with people that really liked the Colts. And so guess what? I sort of got to liking the Colts when I was down there, cheering for them, happy for them. Then I moved up here. Not many Colts fans up here. Everybody likes the Bears. I kind of cheer for the Bears now. I you know, read the paper about them. I'm watching this, you know, the, what, who did they draft? I'm kind of interested in, in the bears. I cheer for the bears. You hang out with fishermen, fishing rubs off on you. You hang out with, with hunters, hunting rubs off with you. Hang out with NASCAR people, your neck gets red right back here. That's what happens, all right? It just, it rubs off somehow. This, though, is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says, Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now this is talking more about a lifestyle of being around wise people where their wisdom and their insight and just the way they live their life kind of rubs off on you and shapes the way that we live our lives. Hang out with wise people, Lo and behold, you're gonna get wise. What about, though, those specific times where we have some decision that we need wisdom on? Here's another proverb. Proverbs 15, says, 
Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. One of the greatest assets that we have in the body of Christ in making decisions is the spiritually wise people that we have around us. Did you know that knowing God's will is a community effort? That we need each other in this? And it is a tremendous resource for us to to tap into the experience and the wisdom of people around us, people that maybe they have made that decision before. They've made that decision. They faced the same thing. And they said, I did this, but looking back on it, I wish that I I would have done that. And here's the three reasons that I wish I would have done that. And you sit there and you listen, you go, well, you know what? I'm going to learn from your mistake and I'm going to choose this way. Or maybe somebody that hasn't been through it, but just has a unique way of looking at life, who has the goal of pleasing the Lord, who loves you and knows you and can be honest with you. To go to somebody like that and say, hey, can I get your advice on something? I think that ought to be about the most common sentence around here. Right after it's all about him, should be, hey, can can I get your opinion on something? I could really use some wisdom on this. And to draw on each other and the experiences that God has given us. Haven't you found this to be the case? Sometimes just talking through a decision with somebody is helpful. Like, have you ever gone to somebody and say, hey, can I, we just kind of want to talk to you about this? And you say, here's the decision. I got these three options. And I kind of see this as being the best in that area and this being the best in that area, and I'm, but I'm kind of leaning in this area, but I'm sort of a little concerned about that, and the person's just sitting there going, mm, mm. And as you talk about it with them, suddenly you realize that one and two aren't so good, and three all of a sudden becomes very clear that this is the way that you should go, and they haven't even said anything at all, and you're like, well, I think the third one's the best way to go. Thank you so much. You've been so helpful. And they're like, hmm. I haven't said nothing. Just talking it through with somebody else is helpful. Of course, you need to identify wise people, spiritually wise people. Not everybody has the kind of wisdom to give good, sound advice. You know, we've had decisions here at the church that we've had to make through the years where the decision went beyond the scope of our experience or beyond the scope of our knowledge. And so we've had to set up, you know, bring special people in to come and to help us and to give us wisdom. We've had phone call conversations with people. We've had consultants. We've done different things. Why? Because nobody, nobody sees it all, do we? We all see things only from our own little, every one of us has a little, just a little perspective. Our experiences, our background, our knowledge, our wisdom, it's about this big. And that's, we, see, we see all of life this way and how helpful it is to put somebody else's glasses on and to see it. It brings help and light and God wants us to do that. So do it, okay, do it. They help us discern what is best. Here's the fifth step, okay? The fifth step is to ask, has God given any biblical models? You know, the Bible says that God has given us the Old Testament specifically with all these people who lived all kinds of lives that we can identify with them, can't we? And the struggles that they have. And they've been given to us to give us an, an example and encouragement. So does the, has the Bible given any examples? And this is where I think, I'm not a huge fan of this, so don't take this too far. This is where the whole WWJD thing, I think, can be helpful. What would Jesus do? Why is that helpful? Because there has never been a life more conformed to the will of God than Jesus Christ. And so we can look at his life and see the way that he lived and the priorities that he had and say, you know what, what what would he have done in this situation? Now, the problem with this 
is, you know, you watch the uh, MTV Awards, and they're wearing like WWJD bracelets and all that. It's, it's indicative of the fact that so many people have a very shallow and superficial understanding of Jesus Christ that they just basically make him be whatever they want him to be. It doesn't help in that way. But I think it accurately understood, it can be helpful. I have found equally helpful is, is uh, uh, WWSD. What would Satan do? Sometimes it's hard to know what God would have us to do. But if you think about now, what would Satan want me to do in this case? And normally God's will is the opposite of that. That's actually quite a helpful thing. I hope that you'll think about that. Number six is to ask, has God given any providential guidance in this area? And this would include circumstances of life. Number one, God is the orchestrator of circumstances. He is. And does God actively work in our life to bring things and opportunities? Yes. The problem is, is that two people can look at the same circumstance and come up with completely different interpretations. So the problem is our interpretation, not the circumstance. So we shouldn't ignore them, but we also shouldn't see them as definitive. More on that next week. Number seven, what does my conscience tell me? You know, our consciences are put inside our hearts by God, and they are slaves to our values. They are slaves to our values. Whatever we value, our conscience is going to guard us. So if my conscience in a decision is saying, warning, 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 I'd better listen. Now, can my conscience be dulled? Yes. Can it be seared? Yes. Can it be misled? Yes. The Bible says all three of those are, are possible. So my conscience is not God. However, when your conscience is barking at you, you better listen. You'd better listen. Number eight is what are, and this one is, I think, very important. What are my gifts and talents? God will never want us to do something that he has not enabled us to do. So one of the best ways to know about God's direction in your life is to look at the way that he's made you. What gifts, what talents, maybe what experiences in the past has he uh, given you in order to uh, to do something for him in the future. For example, if you are a gifted writer and terrible at math, don't think that God wants you to be an accountant, okay? Because you feel like that's what God wants you to do. If you're good at working with your hands, but you're colorblind, don't think that God wants you to be a painter, okay? Now that's an easy example, giving the point that God has uniquely gifted each of us, okay? And so we can look at the way that God has made us and to realize what he wants us to do. If God has given me, uh, well, here's an example. Why am I up here right now? The reason that I'm up here right now is for whatever mysterious reason, I believe God has gifted me to be up here right now to do this. So, you know what? And I, I, can't, I can't fix a furnace. I can't fix a car engine. I'm not good at that, okay? That's what deacons are for. That's what, that's what my mom used to say. My mom used to say, well, this is a little joke, my mom used to say, Steve, because even growing up, is like, you know, my dad's an engineer, he's a brilliant engineer, skipped a generation with me. You know, how are you going to fix the faucet and how are you going to do all that? And I used to joke, that's what deacons are for. It's just totally a joke. But it's just making the point that I don't have that gift. And so I shouldn't spend my time doing that. I need to look at my gifts because God has given us gifts in order to maximize for him. And when my goal is to please the Lord, I don't want to spend my time doing things that I'm not good at. 
I want to spend my time doing things that God has gifted me to be good at. So look at your gifts and your makeup and say, what am I good at? And how can I maximize those gifts for the Lord? Now, you may say, well, how can I know what I'm good at? Well, I would say find somebody that can give you an honest assessment. Find somebody who will tell you the truth and say, what do you see, what do you see me as being good at? What do you really see? If I wanted to maximize this one short life, these evil days that we live in, what would you say that it would be? And get an honest assessment of that. All right, so we're trying to find wisdom. We've asked, do we have the right goal? Does God's word give any, give any indication? Have I prayed about this? I've gotten advice. I've looked at the circumstances of my life. I've looked at biblical models. I've gotten an honest assessment of my gifts and I know kind of where I'm at. And yet, on top of all that, as I pray about it and think about it and evaluate all these different options, here's the point. If you still have those three options on the table, at this point you ask the final question, what would be my desires in this? What, what, what do I want in this? Which is the final conclusion of love God and do as you please. The problem with that phrase, and the reason I'm a little afraid to say it to you, is that what you might hear is, I get to do what I want. I'm just gonna run to the final. I'm gonna run to step number nine and not do one through eight. Because what happens, I promise you, what happens is as I slowly go through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, by the time I get to number nine, my heart has changed. And hopefully, God's will has become my will. And now the thing that I wanna do is what God wants in my life. And that is how to live a life according to wisdom. And you may not have time to go through one through eight on every decision. And maybe there are decisions that you just really don't have to go through one through eight. But what we must do is have the right goal and to live a life according to wisdom. I'll tell you this, as your pastor, I have seen people who have made fantastic, wonderful, wise decisions and today are living out the benefits of a life according to wisdom. And I have also seen people who have not had the right goal, who have not prayed, who have not thought, oh, I wanna do what God's word says, and today are suffering the consequences of a life according to folly. And the call of scripture and my call to you today is to make a commitment. I want to live a life that pleases the Lord and I want you in my life. And I wanna be a pastor who shepherds After you all, what could be more important than hearing well done, my good and faithful servant. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and the conclusion of a message titled, A Life According to Wisdom. If you missed part one, you can replay the full message online at thejourney.fm. Or if it's more convenient, subscribe to our podcast. Just search for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Well, life is a journey, and sometimes that journey can have ups and downs. But when we lean on God and His Word, he lights our path and imparts purpose to each step we take. And that's why each day on The Journey, we share God's Word to listeners around the country through the radio and the web, enabling them to nurture their connection with Jesus Christ or even accept Him for the very first time. But as a listener-supported program, we couldn't do it without you. The Journey relies in part on the financial gift of generous friends like you 
which allow us to share the truth of the gospel with listeners around the world. So would you consider giving today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And when you do, we'll say thanks by sending you Decision Making and the Will of God. It's a book by Gary Friesen. Most Christians have been taught how to find God's will, yet many are still unsure whether they've found it. And in this book, Gary Friesen examines the prevalent view on God's will today and provides a sound biblical alternative to the traditional teaching of how God guides us. You can request your copy of this practical book by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us again next time when Pastor Steve will be sharing an encouraging message all about the providence of God. That's Wednesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.